God, may we open our eyes and our ears to your truth today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as we've gotten ready and prepared for today with this picnic, and everybody knows that we eat chicken, I was thinking about what text have chickens in them. I didn't come up with a whole lot, so I'm not preaching about chickens. Um, what I am going to preach about is one of the greatest chapters in the Word of God. And yes, I know that I say one of the greatest chapters every week, um, but I love this stuff. It's really phenomenal to look at. We're going to be looking at John chapter 17. I know that not all of you have the Word of God with you, but if you do, I'd invite you to open up Scripture there now, John chapter 17. Um, the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, fourth gospel, sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, and so go ahead and turn there. It's in the New Testament. And it's amazing because it's telling a, more of a historical view of all that Jesus Christ was doing. Um, but before we even get to John 17, and I did include a lot of the text there in the bulletin for you. Uh, because I knew, I knew some of you wouldn't have the Word of God with you. And so you've got it right there in front of you. Uh, if you need a bulletin, maybe they have a few more left. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, they said they did before. Yes, raise your hand and they'll bring you one if you need that. I think it's important to be able to see Scripture and the Word of God. So, um, But they'll take care of you. It's Passover. All right, so Passover is when the Jews would be celebrating from thousands of years before God delivering the people from, from 400 years of captivity in Egypt and then giving them a new land to live in. So that was, that's a very simple way of thinking about Passover. That's the time that it is. And Christ has been speaking to them. In fact, if you go, we'll go ahead and jump back to John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, Jesus had been communicating with the disciples everything that was going to be unfolding. When you go back to this, he, he speaks about how Peter is going to deny him. He speaks also about the, the hardship and the difficulty that's going to come. And they don't fully understand it. They don't fully grasp it. I, I still think, though, Jesus is trying to speak words of comfort. In John 14, 1, he tells them, as a result, don't let your hearts be troubled. And there's a lot to John chapter 14, but he's even in that passage bringing words of comfort and trying to make sure, hey, don't get too riled up here. Make sure you stay focused. Because it's Passover and he's coming in and he's helping them understand all that's unfolding in front of them. And even in John chapter 15, as you walk up to John chapter 17, John chapter 15 is known so well because he says words like I am in the vine. You're the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I envision Jesus walking through Jerusalem with the disciples and during this time, even in John chapter 15, they would have been walking uh, and seeing the temple, which was, would, would have been embossed with vines, talking about how Israel was the true vine, and speaking these words. Think about that, walking through the city of Jerusalem, seeing these, these amazing images in front of you, and then Jesus speaking words like, no, don't you get it? I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He keeps going on this incredible journey. And what we find is at the very end, 
right? At the very end of John chapter 15, he's speaking about even the house of Judah. You can go back to Isaiah chapter 5, and you start to recognize how much depth that's taking place right now during Passover. Jesus is really his last time with his followers before his death. Chapter 16, um, he tells the disciples, guys, difficulty is coming, but you need to cheer up. Not because they're going to get what they want in terms of the world, but they need to cheer up because you know what? He's come to overcome the world. And he reminds them of the good news. And then in John chapter 17, uh, many people consider John chapter 17 holy ground because it's a prayer from Christ. And he's, he's calling it out. John chapter 17. Now, it's not the Lord's prayer, as many of us think of the Lord's prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's not that prayer, but it's, it's a powerful prayer and one that we learn from. And it jumps in. And I want to go ahead and go with verse 1. Because he says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Now, I want to go ahead and stop. I was reading through this. And I think we should be trying to learn from Jesus about how to pray. I kind of think he's the expert. Fair enough to say. And it's interesting because when we look at how how the word of God, how scripture speaks about prayer. It's typically with your eyes being lifted up or maybe on your knees kneeling before the father or flat out on the ground. For some reason, never have I seen in scripture, bow your heads, put your hands before your face. I'm not saying that that's wrong. Promise you, I'm not saying that's wrong because I learned that from my parents and my mother's here today. I would never say that's wrong. She's the best mother ever. What I am saying is, shouldn't we learn from the word of God and from scripture about how to pray? Shouldn't we learn from the son of God himself? When he looked up, he lifted his eyes. And he calls out this marvelous, spectacular prayer for everybody to listen to. And it is, it's out loud. I love praying out loud. I pray out loud often, especially when I run, and I run at least three times a year. And it's, and I love doing it. I've done it with some friends here in the churches. We've ran together and we just start praying together out loud. For some reason, when I pray out loud, there's a clarity and there's a focus. I don't get so easily distracted. And so here's Christ and he starts to pray. And I want to read these words. I put the first several verses right there in the bulletin for you. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. John chapter 17 is 632 words of a prayer of Jesus Christ that really shows and reveals a lot about who Christ was, but it also shows and reveals a lot about who we are to be. 
And there's no way that today I can walk through all of John chapter 17. Now, I've been encouraged since I'm only preaching at one service today. I've been told I can go twice as long. But I'm not going to. But it's an amazing passage that you should walk through word by word. Why? Because here's some of what we discover. First, Jesus begins describing how God designed everything perfectly to reveal himself. So in verse one, we find glorify me so that I can glorify you. Like Jesus is show, Jesus automatically shows us his purpose. Like he wanted to be glorified only so that he could glorify the father. Sometimes we want to glorify ourselves so that we could have attention. So people will look at us. Jesus wanted people to see the heavenly father. 17 verse two, God gave him the authority and he gave him people out of this world. You also find that in verse six, verse nine and verse 24, that God was giving him people for a specific reason to help accomplish the task. And God gave him the work of accomplishing the task in 17, verse four. I want to read that that verse again. It says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave for me to do. We find Jesus manifesting his name. We find in verse eight that God had given him the words to speak. He says again in verse four, the work you gave me to do. Verse six, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me. Yours they were and you gave them to me. Verse seven, now, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And it just keeps going and going about how God gave, them, gave him this authority, this purpose to accomplish his will. And so Jesus is acknowledging and, and he's speaking, he's praying about how God had orchestrated everything. Now, that's first. Now, I want us to, we're going to skip down now. And we're going to go to verses 17 and following. Because we already have found Jesus Christ acknowledging how God had orchestrated everything for him to be able to come and to do, to give him the authority to be able to do it. And then he says this in verse 17 and following. He says, actually we'll go to 16. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. He's speaking about who we should be. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world. Remember, these are the words of Jesus. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. God sent the son. And now what we find, and that's what Jesus Christ was speaking about in the first several verses. God sent him to come and perform a specific task. To bring glory to his name. And now the son descending us. Now let that soak in. So many people today are looking for some type of purpose of value in life. And there is no greater purpose. There is no greater value than being used by the almighty God to send his word into every single place possible. Isn't it interesting how people, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple in Jesus Christ and you don't understand the purpose of life, if you don't understand that there's value in life, guys, the creator has given you a task. I don't care what the task is. If the creator has given it, it's an awesome task. 
Like, that's good. That's great news. You don't have to run or walk around through life trying to figure out what purpose you're to have. Because as God sent His Son, the Son is now sending us. We have been sent. And He has given us the Word to share the, the, the Bible, His promises, and His truth. And I firmly believe that God providentially puts people into our path for a reason. Even in our mistakes, God can use them. As many of you already know, my family and I, we've moved around quite a bit. And as we've moved around and we've gone to different places to serve and to be a part of of the ministry, one of the things I've recognized is even sometimes when I go, was this a mistake, right? Should I actually be living where I'm living? And I ask those questions, not about Michigan, because it's pure. But as I ask those questions and as I think about those things, I go, you know what? Here's the beauty of God. Even if I make a mistake, if it's surrendered to God, God can use it. Right? Do I need to go through the list of Moses, the murderer? Do I need to go through David, the one who committed adultery and so many other horrific things? Do I need to walk down the list of all the people that finally surrendered, even their mistakes to God? And what they recognize is that God could use anything to give Him glory if it was surrendered to Him. So we know that God sent the Son, and now the Son is sending us. And we think about passages from John. We think about things like John 3.16. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should have eternal life. You're not going to die. You're going to have eternal life. You're not going to perish. You're going to have eternal life. It's great news. And what we've done is we've soaked that in, which is wonderful for us to be able to do. We need to be able to do it. But here's the thing we've got to remember. God loves you, yes. But He loves everybody else too. And I think sometimes that's a disconnect we have. Because God sent the Son for a purpose, but now the Son is also sending us to make sure that we know He loves everyone else just as much. One of my kids came to me not long ago. They're like, Dad, seriously, who do you love more? I just said, you don't want me to answer that. And I walked away. I love them all the same. And I kid around about that kind of stuff, I know, but... One of the things we need to recognize is God really does love everybody the same. And God sent the Son, and now the Son is sending us out. Like, remember, this is Passover. This is when Jesus has, done all, has spoken all these amazing words to the followers, to the disciples. And He's coming to this time in His ministry. He's really about to be betrayed after this. And this is what He's wanting to make sure they soak up. He's wanting to make sure that they absorb this. That he is sending them out because he loves other people too. And so he tells us, verse 18, you're being sent into the world. You're being sent into the world. We need to recognize the unique place where God has placed us. We need to recognize the unique place where God's placed us. You need to recognize the unique place where God has placed you. Even maybe in a job that you don't want to be in right now, but you recognize the people around you don't know the Lord. 
maybe in a neighborhood in which you don't want to live, right? And yet God has you there for a very specific purpose. And if God is orchestrating John 17, don't you recognize also that God is capable of orchestrating our own lives? More and more, what I've learned from Scripture is that even our gifts, even your gifts and talents, God has given you those in order to make His name known. Some of you, maybe you're a great athlete, right? And you're going, okay, well, God gave me this gift. I don't, I don't think God get, made you a great athlete just to be good at a sport. I think He gave you a great ability to play sports so that you can have an influence with the people around you in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're great at numbers and you're just this mathematician and you're, you're just so good at looking at it. I believe God gave you that ability and talent not to be good at numbers. Because I promise you, he's already pretty good at numbers. I think he gave you that ability so that you can influence the people around you and to impact them with the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you can sell anything to anybody. I think God gave you that ability to impact and to influence other people in your life. God sent His Son, and now the Son is sending you. Don't say you don't have a purpose in life. It's this amazing passage. And I know, listen, of all people, I've had people in my life, I've had individuals come as I'm sharing with them about who Jesus Christ is. I've been called all types of names. More than once, I've been called hateful. I've been called a bigot because I'm sharing the love of Christ. How can you say that if I don't believe like you, that I'm going to hell? Do you know how arrogant and pompous that is? Let me tell you, if you know the love and and the power of Jesus Christ, it's only hateful if you believe it's true. It's only hateful if you don't share it. To claim to know that the Creator gave His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be in this amazing, powerful relationship with Him, and then not to share that with other people, that's hateful. And so I'm trying to convince you, I'm trying to make sure you know that God gave you a value and a purpose in your life. You see, one of the things I think we've done in, in our own life is I think we've begun walking around with signs, spiritual signs. I think we, we have these types of signs. Honestly, I think we have things like keep out and no trespassing. Like when it comes to spiritual conversation, we want people to see this. We want to make sure that they understand. Listen, I don't, I'll talk with you about Michigan football or, or Michigan State or GVSU, or Hudsonville, I'll talk with you about the weather. We all know it changes every five minutes. But when it comes to things like Jesus Christ, who I believe came to save the entire world, but I'm not going to tell you about them, we have signs over our, our bodies, our, our, our hearts and our minds that say, no trespassing, keep out. We don't want to have that conversation. And I understand that it can be scary. But God can give you the power to do it. And once you do it, it's contagious because you're sharing the greatest news the world's ever known. And we need to pray that God would 
infiltrate our hearts and our minds in a way that our signs start saying, please enter and welcome. It's a powerful way to think about our spiritual lives. Is this us or is this us? Which one is it? And we start to process this. And I'm so grateful because if we as a church start to understand that this could be who we are fully. Guys, it's not even about us growing. It's about people coming to know Christ. And so here, John chapter 17, we have this amazing prayer. I mean, Jesus, if learn from the prayers of Jesus of anybody else, right? And you had this amazing prayer and he's coming and he's going, hey, this is what you got to get. I'm going to pray it out loud. I want everybody to hear it. The Father has sent me, but now I'm sending you. We've got all these sermons out there about how to have a life of purpose. And I, it's great, it's wonderful, but I'm giving you the very... Let me, let, me, let me break it all down for you. Here's a life of purpose. Serve the Creator, the Almighty God. That's a pretty good life of purpose. Because the same people are having to t- give the same message over and over. Because if they're telling you to find purpose in anything other than God, it's not going to last, it's going to fade away. God is eternal. Isn't that good? Like, isn't it great that we already know God's coming and says, let me make it simple for you. I need things pretty simple. Find fulfillment in me, you're going to be good to go. I think the big question for, for me is, what will it take for it to become intolerable for us to not tell others about the love of God and the power of Jesus? What will it take? What will it take for it to become intolerable for us to not tell others about the love of God, the power of Jesus? To change our sign from this to this. Like, knowing the love of God, knowing love, just love, it makes you do some weird stuff. Right, I told you guys some of the stories. I remember uh, after just about a month or so of dating my wife, Melissa. I don't even know if she remembers this. I remember it because I was the one so embarrassed. I took her to a restaurant named Rafferty's. Um, it's down south. I don't think you have them up here in Yankeeville. And I go and we're at that restaurant. And I'm trying to figure out if I should tell her at that point that I love her. Right? And man, I was such a dummy. Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, I, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, like, I just, I just think you're really neat. Like that literally came out of my mouth. Absolutely zero cool factor. Like when you say, I just want you to know that you're really neat. Like it doesn't matter how you're sitting or what you're doing. You don't look good. You look like you're a five-year-old girl from 1931. Right? I think you're really neat. 
Now, later on, I just stopped. I didn't even tell her at that moment that I loved her because I was like, you, that's horrible. So it was later on that I said, I love you and I know you love me too. Thanks. But love, love makes you do weird things, doesn't it? Love makes you do weird things. And as much as I love that woman right over there, it is nothing compared to the love that God has for me and for you. Oh, share that. Like, what's with that? Really keep out? Like, share the love of God. And if, and if you're not, maybe the better thing to think is, maybe you need to experience the love of God because you haven't. That's why this church exists, by the way. Yes? Because God sent the Son and the Son has sent us. Praise be to Him. Let's pray. God, we get so wrapped up in ourselves. We get so wrapped up in ourselves. May we get wrapped up in you. May we experience and know your love and your power. May we recognize as disciples, as followers of Christ that now you have sent us out into the world so that we can have an impact and, and bring clarity to what it is to know you. God, it's, it's this amazing life of knowing that we can't do it all for ourselves, but we don't have to. You've already done it. Thank you for your love. God, as your church, God, I pray right now for Chapel Point. I pray that you would just continue to bless this church not so that we can receive glory, but so that the glory would go to you, the Father, just as mentioned in John 17, verse 1 and 2. I ask that you would give us direction and wisdom and insight. God, I'm praying that you will continually use this church, God, in ways that we've never imagined. Use it as a catalyst for this entire community to bow before you, to lift our eyes to heaven, to lay flat on the ground if called out for. God, please, may we worship you. That is my prayer. In Christ's name, amen.